Hey there, Trek Off fans. This is Justin, and if you've been enjoying Alexia and I talking about Star Trek, you should head on over to the Pop-Off podcast right now and listen to us talking about the X-Men movies, including the brand new X-Men First Class. Um, if you head over to popoffpodcast.com, you'll find us, or you can go to endlightpodcast.com and hear all of the great Endlight Podcast Network shows. So again, listen to Alexia and I talk about the X-Men movies, find out if what you thought about X-Men First Class matches what we thought about x-men first class and all the x-men movies before it that's all enjoy trek off it's time for trek off insert funny line here welcome to trek off i'm justin <laughs> i'm alexia <laughs> what's wrong with you seriously i don't know look i'm already like i we're both maxed out see once that already. because you're mang whatever uh, that was right <laughs> <laughs> it's my new language. It is. It's just speak. <laughs> <laughs> we, we we have a whole a whole, a whole episode like, where I say something and wow, then you go. Wow! Meh. Look at that! Look at that! Oh my gosh! Suck it! <laughs> like, I'm gonna whisper. That might be really loud. At least when you get loud, you can sort of back up a little. And you go, I would like to submit. <laughs> Fuck you! <laughs> How's that for loud? <laughs> 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 and what Justin said was, I am a douche. You are a douche. No. But that's only because you are what you eat. Ew. Ew, what the fuck? It's Italian dressing. Oh, you are so sick. Wadiger vinegar. Douche. Wadiger? <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> what is, is Wadiger? I have no idea. Um, I can't even begin or pretend to know. What Wadiger is? No. Sounds Swedish. Sounds Swedish. Ooh, what movie is that from? Oh. Sounds Swedish. Oh, damn it. <laughs> Come on. I know. I know. Are this. you kidding? Yes. No. All right, what 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 is the what is the line sound Swedish in response to? The blank sounds Swedish. You know, it's I don't know. The Borg sounds Swedish. It's from Star Trek First Contact. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah, that's what Lily says when he calls him the Borg. Because the Borg sounds Swedish. True. <laughs> True. <laughs> Excellent writing. <laughs> it's good. It's actually really like that. Movie see, see, my head hurts, and that's why you can't ask me ridiculous things when my head hurts. Does your head hurt? <laughs> yes. Does your head feel like? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Welcome to Trek Off. <laughs> 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 Is that, what, is that right? Is that how you say that? No, I speak a different dialect. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, okay. Well, then maybe I'll have to come up with my own um, dialect. You can't. Oh, right? You can't. Watch me. Does it sound Swedish? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So today... We're really going to talk about Star Trek at some point. Aujourd'hui. We are discussing uh, Star Trek. strange voices, apparently. Aujourd'hui? It's French for today. Wait, what did you just say? Aujourd'hui? That is not French for today. It is. Aujourd'hui. No, it's not. Yes, it is. I took French for a long time. That's not what you said. Aujourd'hui. Does it mean, <laughs> does it mean French? Hmm? That doesn't mean French. Doesn't mean... <laughs> <laughs> Francais means French. <laughs> no, Jackass, it does not mean French. What's another word for thesaurus? <laughs> Um, 
<laughs> the funny, the last episode that you guys probably heard was the episode with. Uh, oh no! That was the uh, episode with Paul, and that uh, was a, a great episode, relatively yes. serious episode, and we recorded that like an hour and a half ago. And now, now the crazy's got to come out. It's like I we didn't have any. You know, crazy. I can't hear anything, right? You can't, oh, sorry. Her, my, her. This happened to me in the last one too. I had to edit it out. Uh, her headphones fell out. There we go. Oh, let there be sound. <laughs> That's what you missed. That's all I said. Uh, today, aujourd'hui, uh, is you don't really you aujourd'hui, right? Is that right? No. I, it's gotta be. <laughs> no, now you got me all worried. All right. Uh, uh, Maybe to, you're just saying it right. Today <laughs> in French. French. <laughs> all right, I'm looking it up, and I'm using my phone today. Um, aujourd'hui. <laughs> uh, today, English what? French dictionary. Why do you fancy yourself French today? I don't fancy myself as being French. Uh, <laughs> you seem to be using the French word. No, that can't be right. What? Ecoute is not. That's not it either. No, ecoute is to listen. I believe. Uh, look up. Uh, today in French. There you go. Best episode ever. <laughs> so what we're you, teaching people French. Because that's a but, lot like Star Trek. Because there are no, different yeah, languages on Star Trek. Aujourd'hui. Look at that. Let me see it. What's that say right there? Aujourd'hui. Look at that. I was correct. That's not how you say that. Aujourd'hui. That's not how you say that. Oui. C'est correct. C'est correct. C'est correct. 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 Je suis très smart. No. I don't remember how to say smart. Tu es très stupide. Non. Oui. Je n'ai pas. Je, 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 je n'ai pas stupide. <laughs> Willkommen. Oh, wait, that's, that's German. That's true. Willkommen on Star Trek. <laughs> when this is the way the Germans talk about the Star Trek. Oh, hi, Germans. Wow. I don't think any Germans listen. A lot of, I think we have a few British listeners now. Oh, um, Yay, Britain. Yay, Scattercast. Um, so, hey, I have a, um, here, I'm going to, since I'm on my phone anyway, um, I have a question and I'm going to put up Trek in my, in my all. Here we go from Shmoo. This is from Shmoo. Shmoo is a dark, okay, Shmoo. Uh, hey guys, you mentioned this email address a couple of times, so I thought you might be looking for some love. Here you go. Loving the podcast. Sometimes it's nice to just unabashedly nerd out, and you're definitely the place for that. Maybe that came out wrong. Seriously, though, <laughs> I wouldn't hate to hear your thoughts on Farscape. I'd also like to add that I thought Enterprise definitely came into its own in the last season. Trip specifically went from my least favorite character to probably my favorite. They also seem to dial down the whole focus on the whole uh, dial on the focus on the whole temporal Cold War as the show progressed, which I thought helped a lot. I really think that time travel is usually a bad, bad, bad idea in sci-fi. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that as well. Okay, that's up. Keep up the good times. P.S. I was at the NVB world premiere. I love both of the ninjas versus flicks. Shmoo. Sweet. Thanks, Shmoo. Thank you, Shmoo. Um, here, I'm going to write you back. The reply you get is as we record, and I'm writing back, uh, will answer in a couple weeks. It will answer in a, in a couple weeks, and I'm going to say that we're pre-recording. Pre-recording. And this is so riveting. <laughs> this is the best. It's riveting. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, will answer in a couple of weeks. Um, on the DS9, 
see what I'm doing? I'm actually segueing. It's DS9 season one episode. And so you have heard me type back to you. So we Isn't are that fancy. We were <laughs> we are today talking about uh the first season. We are, but before we get to it, let's let's, let's answer like we said. Oh, uh, what was the question? Oh my god, really? You just oh, read or, that. Oh yeah, shit. two two things. Uh Farscape, <laughs> Farscape and time travel. Um mm-hmm. I have you have you seen Farscape? Uh, I haven't. I've seen, I, like, I feel like I've seen parts of Farscape, but I haven't, like, oh. watched Farscape. I've never watched Farscape. So that's the end of question one. Um, um, but, the, but the parts of it I saw, I, thought, it, I actually it, thought we were Is we're it Gene Roddenberry's Farscape? Was Gene Roddenberry involved in uh, Farscape? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't oh, know. it's bad that what, I have my phone I, in my hand. What I know is that um, this, there's a sci-fi show that I did not care for, and, and people may dislike me after I say this, but I did not like Babylon 5. All right. Um, because I felt like it was the pretender to DS9, and you know, it was not as good, and you know, I didn't it, care for it at all. Um, I would say about that, I having never watched uh, Babylon 5 myself, um, Babylon 5, from what I understand, was uh, the idea for it came pre-DS9, uh, and um, people have said that DS9 is the one who ripped it off. Um, and from what I understand, the first season is akin to the first season of DS9, does not represent what the show became. And a lot of people checked out before it got really good, but it is more sort of fantastical, and the effects were nowhere near as good. I just um, didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. But, I, I thought but, it wished it was DS9. But I, but from what I understand, that they became a show like Battlestar, like it's the pre-Battlestar, that it took risks that Star Trek never did. Um, but I can't speak to whether or not that's true, uh, because I have, um, I've never seen it. But on the other hand, Farscape, the the bits of it that I saw. The one that Roddenberry created was Andromeda. I enjoyed. I have never seen Farscape. So I, I don't think I've actually. It sat looks like an the, the episode, makeup. The makeup looks awesome. Yeah. It looks really cool. It looks like it's really going like you know, this is really very alien. Yeah. Um, time travel and time travel and sci-fi. Mm. Um, you know, I am a nut for time travel and I love time travel and sci-fi. Me as well. Um, I understand that it's a crutch. Well, and I understand that you run into problems like. He, you know, we were just talking about this because I, I recently saw the source code. Oh, yeah? Oh, uh, I haven't seen it. Don't spoil it. I'm not going to spoil it. Is there it. time travel in it? No, 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 no. Okay, there's like, good. there's, there's, okay, so like, it's, it's, it's not just about time travel in the sense of like, it's, it's the, like, time travel suffers from what some sci fi scenarios in general suffer from, okay. which is that there, that problems arise in the science, right? Like, they'll set up the science, but then, like, if you were to sit there and really analyze that shit, you could find holes, you could break it down. But, like, I believe this firmly with time travel and, you know, with the science and the source code. Like, the movie's so good, or the show is yeah. so good, or whatever the content is, is so good that, like, I just don't give a fuck. Like, well, if I it doesn't u- work, I don't care. Ultimately, time travel doesn't work because it's impossible, and it's impossible because it couldn't work. That that if you went back in time to do something, you would likely do something that would prevent yourself from going back in time to do that thing. Which yeah, like there's the, just it the just temporal, breaks down temporal paradox loops. You know, yeah, it just exist. gets crazy. And so therefore, you know, it w- it wouldn't and couldn't exist. Um, and so I think by its nature, there are just too many problems. You cannot have a logical story with somebody who can do time travel because if you were like. Like, you there's know, no way to actually make it work. Yeah, I mean, you know? like, like, okay, so you get to first contact, for instance, and they have to come up with something going, we're caught in the Borg Sphere's temporal eddy, and that's why, even though all of the future has changed, or in the temporal wake, even though all the future has changed, we have not changed, mm-hmm. and you have to have that moment where Crusher goes, 
why haven't we changed? Yeah. And then you have to explain why you haven't changed because the the time travel stories are all based around the idea that you're going to change someone from the future is going to change something is from going the to past. change something from the past that impacted their future. Yep. But in general, you have you always have the but if that thing changed, then they wouldn't have gone back in the past to change. Well, that's it. what I liked about like uh uh in um it's gonna sound whatever i don't care back to the future mm-hmm. love back to the future i do and what what i love about back to the future it logically too, it logically falls apart but yeah but what i love because of the thing you're talking about right now what i love about back to the future too is that when they go back um from the future and they wind up back in their past but their past is yeah. different now because biff fucked everything up because he got yeah. changed he was like well why don't we just go back to the future he's like we can't because now now we're in the we would be in the future of this yeah we have to go back to the the past and the timeline before the shit changes yeah. to fix it. Like, and I thought that was kind of Which cool. is, like, that's the new Star Trek movie, actually. That's the, the whole idea is the new, the second line. And they, they mm-hmm. talked about it in Lost. I think at one point in Lost, they actually mentioned Back to the Future 2. They actually say, say uh, yeah, it's just like Back to the Future 2. Oh, um, I don't recall. Um, uh, but that, I mean, ultimately, you know, movies like The Terminator, you know, that... You know, at least they they play with the temporal paradox, which I like, which the you know, the big surprise is that it always had to happen that way because because Reese is actually the father of of. Yeah. Of, and if Reese had not come back, he never would have been born. So he had to send it back. So that's sort of, you know, destiny is playing part of it. I mean, it's 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 interesting. I think it's a crutch, Um, but I'm a sucker for it. Yeah, I, I am mean, too, because I just love it. I love time travel. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I cannot help myself. Quantum Leap was my favorite show for a long time. God, and you, I love that show. It's funny. You talk about the temporal Cold War. Um, I'm actually sad the way that they... And spoilers for Enterprise. Um, uh, minor spoilers for Enterprise. But essentially, the first three seasons of Enterprise, they say underneath it all that there is um, this ongoing idea that there is someone from the future. This is presented in the pilot that is trying to change the past from like the 29th century or something, trying to change the past. And that's what moves events in the pilot episode of enterprise. So that they're from well beyond you actually see like a 29th century ship. Um, and they're from well beyond next gen and they're trying to meddle in earth's history. And the time that they're trying to meddle in is enterprise's time pre Kirk. Mm-hmm. Um, the way they end it is so unsatisfactory. It's just, two minutes at the end of an episode where they go, and this is what happened, this is what happened, okay, we're done, we're not gonna ever gonna mention it ever again. And then they never mention it ever, ever again because the fans got fed up with it and instead of ending it on any kind of ending, mm-hmm. there's an episode that makes no sense that kind of has to do with it and then there's essentially Scott Bakula and another actor standing in front of a green screen as the other actor gives about three minutes of exposition talk and then it ends. And it's never brought mm-hmm. up again. And it's just clearly they're like, hey, we're going this way with the show now, which is how so many so many things in Enter- Enterprise felt that way. Like, hey, we're going to try this theme song. And now we're this is what we're doing. And th- it's <laughs> there's it reeks of desperation and it reeks of kind of, you know, of, of a such a deliberate retooling that it's hard to not have a meta understanding of the show. Um, it's hard to not go. I understand that they're ending it this way because people didn't like it. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, you know, to not to to be drawn into the fictional story is hard to do because you can just tell that they're abandoning it. 
mm-hmm. they're they're going, hey. Oh, that didn't work out. So uh, we're gonna try this. You know, it's <laughs> well, it's, it's like when Kesley's when like Kesley's Voyager. It's like how coincidental the cute blonde that's on Voyager is leaving Voyager at the same time that the new cute blonde that's on Voyager is coming on episode uh, on Voyager in the same episode. Because Seven of Nine was on Voyager, but she was an ugly Borg at the beginning of the episode where Kess leaves. So Kess is on the beginning of that episode and Seven is an <laughs> ugly Borg. And at the end of that episode, Kess is gone and Seven's a blonde. And you're just like, clearly, we are replacing Kess. <laughs> but with a different character. With a different character, but still. she's totally different than she Kess. Is, she is totally different, but you can tell the meta on the like yeah no it was definitely okay we're losing this chick so we're gonna get uh well we still need, we need another chick like we another need, blonde chick we need another blonde chick we'll just we'll make her hot and svelte and yeah go and, a different way with it but but that's but that's yeah. and, and that's how it feels with the temporal cold war when they end it. it's just sort of like hey we're ending mm-hmm. we won't answer and, and we're done we won't answer any of your questions we won't in you know complain all you want about lost at the very least they gave you an ending Ugh, the, what, really, you're gonna call that shit an ending? Whether or not you like the ending, it's an emotional ending. It it's fe- bullshit. It feels like an ending. Oh, it feels least. like shit. Oh, I loved it. It feels. I like loved poo. it a lot. But the <laughs> but the point is, is this this isn't even that. This is just sort of like and this is what happened. It's like scene. It's like <laughs> it feels very much like that. Oh, dude, you're so right. It's like the end of Quantum. It was like the final episode of Quantum Leap. I don't remember the final episode of Quantum it's Leap. It's so weird. He leaps into a bar in a mining town and in the mirror is himself he looks in the mirror and it's him and uh an actor um who actually it was on voyager too um uh is there and he's playing a character named al who is the bartender who might be god who knows that sam is sam and tells him that his leaps are going to get harder and all other actors who've played other characters on the show are on it playing different characters that are like their characters. And then and then he's told he's gonna the leaps are going to get harder. And then the real Al finds him at the next the end of the episode and he's like, gotta go do the work I gotta do. And it was supposed to be an episode that was a, se- a se- season finale that was gonna start leading into sort of the fate part of what he was doing and the guiding forces there. Then and that his leaps are going to get harder, and instead they just go. Doctor Sam Beckett never returned home, and that's the end. I just spoiled the end of Quantum Leap. It's a it's a black card with a title on it that says Doctor Sam Beckett never returned home. No ending. The episode wasn't intended for an episode uh, ending. They just put a title card at the end of it, and that okay. Was that it. that's that makes sense because I I don't ever remember it ending. <laughs> yeah, no, it doesn't. Have, <laughs> so that's probably it doesn't, why <laughs> it doesn't have a. This is. This is how. This is why. This is when he is, gets home, and then yeah. you know, it's. I guess the ending of that show. Boy, we're spoiling a lot, but the dude, the show ended in 1993. Oh uh, yeah, if you don't know, <laughs> you're, you're shit out of so, luck. I'm sorry. sorry. Spoiler alert for Star Trek on this too. By the way, um, we're going to talk <laughs> about Star Trek eventually. <laughs> at some um, point. At some point. Spo- spoiler alert for this episode. We will eventually discuss Star Trek. <laughs> um, uh, but no, the the. The, the problem with time travel um, is, th- is that a lot of times it doesn't make sense. And so then you do have issues like in Generations where, where Picard is like, I need to go back to the moment before, you know, <laughs> because you, you know, and, and again, back to the future. You have a time machine. Or a galaxy quest. Yeah. What? When, it, when it rewinds only, what was it, three minutes? Yeah. 30 I mean, seconds, 45 seconds, some, some shit that's like really tiny. Like it's not enough, but it's enough to change one single thing. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, but it's but like in Back to the Future, it's the same way. It's like he, he needs to save Doc 
And of course, he gives himself five minutes, and he's like, five minutes or like fifteen. No, minutes. it's ten minutes. Ten minutes. That should be. That enough. should be enough. Like, give what do you mean? You have a fucking time. Like, and especially what's funny about that is because he's like, wait a minute, I got a time machine. Like, I could just go back early. <laughs> like, duh. But forty then, minutes <laughs> early? No. I know. No, not an hour early. No. 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 No, no, definitely not. <laughs> um, and so that's the just in time to watch it all yeah. I do happen think, again. I do think Back to the Future Two dealt with it really well. Yes. I thought that was interesting the the way that they did it. Um, it has its own set of problems, Back to the Future Two, but you know, true that. I mean, you yeah, know, Jennifer's not even the same person. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but she's Elizabeth Shue, and I love Elizabeth Shue, and everybody loves Elizabeth Shue. That's why I was Elizabeth Shue. Um, he's <laughs> like, it's like she gets unceremoniously booted off the Karate Kid trilogy. She's like, fine, I'll go to this trilogy instead. <laughs> Fuck it. Uh, so that's <laughs> I can just imagine. Like, I would love to hear Elizabeth Shue. You know, say, you know it. what show dealt with it. You know what show you should see Hamlet too. Then she's awesome. Um, I know she is. I love her in that. Oh um, my gosh, she doesn't say suck it though. Uh, yeah, but she should. Um, but she exactly, but she Elizabeth Shue. <laughs> if anyone knows yeah. her or has contact with her, tell her she should, she should record, say suck it, suck it, and send and it to send us. Send it to us because that would be awesome. Thank you. <laughs> uh, at uh, Justin at trekoff.com. <laughs> trekoffpodcast.com. Justin, at, by the way, that works now. Justin at trekoffpodcast.com will get to me now. So if well, you have questions, that's special. Look at that. I don't get one because I'm not important. We're not going to answer the, uh, the the questions until we're sitting here on mic anyway. So you know. We will answer your questions. But what if right. somebody just wanted to like email me and say, you know what, you're great. That Justin guy is. I poo. will. I will forward it to you, <laughs> and I will switch the names. <laughs> I um, would like to submit. I, fuck you. <laughs> let me let me say this as well. Um, Terminator Sarah Connor Chronicles. Uh, oh, I love that show. Did it really well because they said that the timeline is constantly changing to the point where. Uh, where Reese's brothers, okay, spoiler alert for the show, you you should see it. But the point where Reese's brothers, uh, Reese's brother comes back through time. Um, the Austin Green of all people, and, and who does an awesome job? No, he's job. amazing. Like he I never would have imagined. You know um, what I mean? But like, and then and then his girlfriend comes back through time, but she's from a slightly right. Different can I just say how I disliked her? But you were meant to. You were supposed to. Okay, like from the yeah. start. You were supposed to though. She was supposed okay. to make you feel uneasy, and she did. And she did. I don't. I don't think yeah. she. I, but she's supposed to be from a slightly different future. Yeah. Because every episode they do something which affects the timeline, which is why the show can exist within the continuity of of the Terminator movies, because this show breaks that continuity and by another time travel event happening during the show so it's because they they in the pilot episode of the show they they jump forward like seven years past the events of terminator 3 which then would make the events of terminator 3 not ever happen um but the entire idea of the show is that every time they're doing something the timeline is changing and it starts getting interesting as people from different future timelines as they've changed it just slightly yeah slightly different because every time they change something, they change, and it, it's it's a really complex idea to to introduce for series television. It's something you would expect in a book, and it was it was something about the show that I really dug. It, unfortunately, the show, like Dollhouse, which accompanied it, um, didn't uh, find its footing until like halfway through the first season, and and then people dropped off and didn't ever get to see what what a great show. The second season was just of both shows of Dollhouse and of was just great. Good shit. So, um, speaking of great shows and speaking of first seasons and speaking of uh, comparatively weaker first seasons to mm. the rest of the whole. We're actually going to wait for it. Talk about Star Trek. 
This is Star Trek Deep Space Nine season one. Um, in the interest of being, uh, of, of, I guess, being completely honest, we have recorded this already. Um, a discussion about Star Trek uh, DS9 season one. Uh, yeah, not like not in this format, but we recorded the first two seasons. You're such a strange man. Why am I strange? <laughs> you just are. What? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. No, I just want to. In the interest, look, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to fabricate. I don't want to fabricate mm-hmm. an entire podcast with conversations that we just had before, and I don't think we will. But we essentially what happened is we uh, we recorded a great. It's like an hour and a half, and it's it, we end up talking about God and and religion and getting into some of our personal beliefs and getting into um, all sorts of stuff, and it's a really great episode. But we decided tonight um, to not air that episode. Um, because we work through in one episode two seasons of DS9 right away, and tonight we were like, "Well, let's do the next three. and it realized we realized it was going to take us three episodes to do all of DS9, and we really should stretch it out for longer than that. Um, so we're doing this. Um, however, at some point in the future, maybe like maybe when we reach like a thousand listeners in an alternate future, maybe let's do that. Let's say maybe in a future that's a l- just a little bit different than this future. Let's say let's say we w- <laughs> very good, nicely done. <laughs> Um, let's say let's say when we reach uh, a thousand subscribers one day if one if we if we ever reach a thousand subscribers we will release that episode and go here's the lost episode which will not be as good as the episodes we're doing then because we'll be very practiced by then what you trying to say Uh, i think every time i open my mouth it's funny suck it And you know what? See I, that everybody's laughing. I absolutely agree that that's what you think. Um, it is not what I think. It's absolutely what you think. Every every time I open my mouth, it's brilliant. So here we um, go. If that was only true. That'd be awesome. I am going to uh, to name the episode. <gasps> then I would and, be Gene Roddenberry. And I bet every time he opened his mouth, it was brilliant. Um, no, no. No, clearly that's not true because he, while he came up with good ideas, like Lucas, uh, along with him, uh, great creator, not always a great writer, which is why the right. That's why I said every time he opens his mouth, not every time he puts a pen to paper. Because we put suck pe- it. Okay, here I go. <laughs> <laughs> Five minutes go. <laughs> oh, oh boy, um, DS Nine starts. Uh, so, as a background to DS9, if you've never seen it, which a lot of Star Trek fans have not, um, Deep Space Get on it. Deep Space Nine uh, starts uh, concurrently with season six of Star Trek: The Next Generation. And it has Bashir. Um, it does have Bashir. He's so cute. He is so cute. Um, uh, and it follows the adventures of um, of one Captain Benjamin Sisko, Commander Benjamin Sisko, as he starts, and uh, he is a widower. Um, whose wife was killed in the Battle of Wolf 359 by the Borg. Uh, and, and they were led by? Led by Captain Picard, or rather Locutus. Locutus. Um, uh, and he uh, he is a single father, dissatisfied with his... Oh, wait, li- we forgot to say, spoilers for Deep Space Nine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, he, is a, he is a single father, um, dissatisfied with his life in Starfleet, and even more dissatisfied as he is uh, assigned to a station he doesn't want to be a part of, um, and assigned there by John Luke Picard. Um, oh yeah, like the scene, like in the very first episode when he where, goes to talk yeah. to Picard. 
oh, that shit is fucking super. Yeah, he's just he's just like he hates Picard. He doesn't want to be where he is. It's essentially Bajor, the Bajorans, Ensign Rose people, um, has finally been uh, the Cardassians have finally left. And now that they've left, Major has to tend for itself and is applying to and may one day it's a basically a Federation protectorate, but is not signing in the Federation yet. Yeah, it's not it's not in it yet. And the Cardassians have left, and basically the station is going to be run by the Federation, but it is a Bajoran station, and the the two groups are gonna so work. There's together. like all kinds of clashing going on. Like uh, it's great. It's just such a good And at the same time there are there it is a in some ways, almost like a small city or a shopping mall or something yeah. owned, owned by uh, Bajor. So uh, full of people who don't need to follow the Federation rules and are not not necessarily friendly to the Federation. Um, and so that's basically the setup. You have the Cardassians around the corner um, ready to uh, ready to strike at any moment. Um, and the station is uh, right next to Bajor, orbiting Bajor, and he arrives. And this leads us to Emissary. Uh, emissary Which part one and two. Uh, a new crew is assigned to a former Cardassian. Wait, sp- are you really going to do that? Don't do that. I'll do it really fast, and then Don't you can give me your thoughts. Why not? Because it's lame. Don't do it. All right, I won't do it for every episode. Ugh. Um, look, there are going to be episodes where I'll give you the name, and we'll go. What was that? Um, and if that happens, then you can do it. Okay. So emissary one, what happened? So, <laughs> in emissary, uh huh, it's uh. Of the let me rechange let me re, let me change what I just asked of the uh, what event happens in emissary that uh, that I did not mention the big event that is discovered the big discovery in emissary. Well, so okay, so the way I would rather go about it, I suppose, is like it, the the way that the show opens. Mm-hmm. Um, I think was really great because it's sort of a situation we haven't seen before, and that like most like when we're seeing, you know, a commander, someone in charge at Starfleet. They're exactly where they want to be. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like, you've got the captain of the Enterprise. Yeah. Like, and he's exactly where he wants to be. And he's a badass. So it's it's interesting to have this guy who isn't where he wants to be that's sure. g- been given kind of a shit post from his perspective and is in a in a dark place anyway like he's just he's in a bad place because he's lost his wife he's he's got he's raising his kid on his own and meanwhile you're on you're you're on a station that is that is in a dark place Mm -hmm. that's Um, like it's falling apart falling apart and it's it's got you know its own problems like with the cardassians having left Mm -hmm. this like taken everything that they could from the station that orbits a planet that's in a dark place yeah like it's you're starting out in such a different place than you ever have in any kind of Star Trek. So who you meet is is well the first person that you immediately recognize is uh is Chief Miles O'Brien who um who was a transporter chief and and uh and wore regular Starfleet pips in uh in Next Gen and now for whatever reason is chief engineer because you know he's really smart. Yeah. And well he's moving up in the world. And, What's wrong with that? And as an enlisted man, he doesn't wear regular Starfleet officer pips now. He wears sort of different things. Um, but he is in charge of all of uh, the station. Yeah. Um, which puts him in a dark place because although he's a relatively sunny character, he has a history with, of all people, the Cardassians. Yeah. Um, who are like the only, nicest guy in the world, but he hates Cardassians. the Cardis. The Cardis. Yeah. Um, and, and then and then you meet um, Bashir and Dax. They're, they Bashir they walk and Dax. Up. Yeah. And, and, and love Bashir. So Dax, Dax is too, because she's hot. Dax is um, she's da- trill. She's a trill. Um, looks different than the trill you met on Next Gen, um, but hotter. She's got a she's got a uh, a 
basically a worm in her stomach that has had seven lifetimes of experience and th- her most recent uh lifetime was friends with, with was was a, a father figure best friend to cisco and now she is a uh, young Hot woman <laughs> young 20 something terry farrow woman and then with her is dr bashir who at the time seems like just a a very um bright-eyed bushy-tailed you know he's almost offensive in the things he says he's like i'm out here in the wild the frontier know, of medicine so the frontier of medicine um, <laughs> he's so cute and he offends uh the the bajorans especially major kira of course kira like so when you meet kira what's great is the first impression you have of her, her very she's, first line she's her very first line she's yelling she's going you're throwing it all away all of it and yeah, she's just like yelling she's so vehemently ang- angry she, she's it's so fantastic. angry that she grows giant shoulder pads um, <laughs> you know though when they took him away i i missed them i didn't i didn't well here's what i wanted i didn't want them to go uh, entirely away i just didn't want them to be so big but i liked the line they gave i liked that it was a straight when line. she eventually goes completely away and you see what a slim attractive in shape woman she isn't in shape absolutely woman. but you could tell that right away i mean her ass is immaculate like you know what i'm saying like wait till they get to like season six or seven though her outfit like becomes much more flattering and is and that's what i'm saying like i felt like the the shoulder pads actually just the line of them not that they were big but that sort of severe v sort of thing gave her a very interesting look it was, See, it was hot and, and and i kind of felt like later on she wears an outfit that by the end that is no less skin tight than than sevens but it doesn't seem exploitative and she just seems strong and yet also very fit in that outfit. I guess um, we'll have to see. I haven't gotten there yet. Uh, you meet probably the most interesting creations on DS9, which would be Odo. Um, Love Odo. Who at first really seemed just like an excuse to use the Terminator 2 effects, which had, which had just come out a year oh, before. Oh, right, right, yeah. Um, because he was a changeling that turned into goo. Um, and Quark. Ah, um, Quark. And uh, <laughs> Well, first of all, we didn't even say who Kira is. Kira is um, the Bajoran liaison officer of the... Uh, so she's like his number one. Yeah, she's she's know, first in command, and she's not happy that he's there, and she's not happy that the, that the Federation's yep. there, and she's angry, and she doesn't want to be there either. And then you meet Odo, who had worked with the Cardassians as their chief of security, yep. but was so fair that the Bajoran said, you be our chief of security. Yeah, he's just so neutral. And he has no idea where he, where he comes from. And what, like, he is alone, never met anyone like him ever. And then you have fr- the Ferengi bartender, Quark. Mm-hmm. Um, and Quark is, in my opinion, the most interesting creation at the beginning of this of this show. In that he is a main character who is ostensibly a bad guy. He is, yep. Yeah, he is, he is, especially when you first meet him, he is... But what's great about, like, the interaction with him is because I think it was either the end of the very first episode or maybe the second when uh you know the interaction between him and Cisco really tells you a lot about Cisco. Yeah. You know the way he sort of he manipulates him into staying. He manipulates staying. him into staying and it's ha, like community leader. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just great because it, it it gives you a lot of insight rather quickly into the kind of commander that Cisco is. And immediately what I like is the arcs for these characters are established in the first episode cisco unhappy where he is by the end of the show we'll learn how to accept where where he is bashir bright and bushy-tailed by the end of the show you know and is you can just tell is 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 going to become experienced and serious mm-hmm. um i don't think that o'brien's uh arc is that well defined at the beginning you know kira who hates everyone at the beginning of the show oh yeah she goes through such a transformation le- learns, and learning learns, to... Le- learns to learns to accept uh odo 
who is alone without a people eventually we won't say what they are at this point mm -hmm. but eventually finds his people um uh uh and that's huge um quark who starts off as amoral is very humanized by the end of the show without ever losing the yes, part of him without that ever is, like just that, changing him completely that is that is quark um and and did we miss, oh and dax um I, I wouldn't say she has a, a character arc, a clear character arc, especially one that starts here. She does evolve um, uh, into a much tougher character once, you know, spoiler alert for season four of DS9, Worf is brought onto the show. Oh, and, yeah, she becomes and, a lot tougher. Than, and, and, or Klingons in general, once there are yeah, interactions uh, between her and Klingons. They, 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 established, they established that Curzon, the person before her, was a... Was a respected warrior with Klingons. Yeah, like he worked and, with them. And he was suddenly, diplomat with them. I believe. And suddenly, although you've never seen it before, she's amazing with a batleth, and she's you know, um, and that's pre-warp actually. That's yeah. old, old soldiers pre -war. But like once there are Klingons involved, she you find that she is a an adventurer. Yeah, you um, find some diversity. And that uh, that's not really an arc for her because it kind of comes up out of the blue. Um, but it it can because like she's got these different lifetimes and yeah. aspects like uh, when you've got that much experience in one you know what i mean in one if, being, any, if anything i felt like that was o'brien didn't really have an arc to start with but but um and doesn't really have an arc on the show he's he's as a matter of fact he's the everyman which is why yeah. he, which is why he doesn't have an arc he is you yep he's you the viewer i think that the weakest arc on the show is probably dax's um but that doesn't mean she's a weak character she no just, she's very interesting she just doesn't evolve as much as say odo or yeah. Kira. Um, oh, we were missing, of course, Jake Sisko, um, who is the son of, of Ben Sisko, a child character um, who is, with apologies to the great and wonderful Will Wheaton, who, as a guy now, is known to be just a kick-ass, awesome dude. Um, but people in general didn't like Wesley Crusher. Um, I loved Wesley. Yeah, but people in general didn't. Um, oh, uh, yeah, he was so Jake cute. is a different cat than Wesley. That's um, the th that, you know what's interesting about that though like is I didn't I didn't it took me a while to warm up to Jake you know like, the thing I about Jake care for him as much Jake is a child Wesley's not a child even though he's a kid he's never a child he is by the third episode trying to get into Starfleet trying to work mm -hmm. he's a genius he's saving the ship every you know and Jake is just a guy he's just a guy whose dad happens to be in Starfleet yeah and i it, do like his relationship with his dad though like um, i think that that is a very interesting relationship and i like their close well i just and i just like that he isn't uh i'm just putting the table down because it's in my face um i just like you can move your foot and you can put it on the table if you'd like thanks um i just like that i just like that jake is not special um and it's kind of cool he's sort of the xander of the show he's not special xander from buffy he's not special he's even more than o'brien who although he's the everyman um he's a whiz with electronics and stuff yeah though. like yeah jake yeah. is jake is just a guy he's just he's just mm -hmm. he doesn't have any powers he doesn't and everyone on the show has has power i mean it's the show can be criticized by by the fact that like everyone on the show who has a who has a species that they're on the show they have some kind of relationship and know the head of their species in some way so quark ends up having a relationship with the head of the ferengi alliance and, yeah. and kira knows that both the spiritual and political head of bajor by the end and cisco talks to the federation president by the end and odo when he meets his people 
talks to the leader of his mm-hmm. people, and everybody has access to the leader of, of their, their entire people. species. <laughs> um, and Jake is just a kid. And yeah. I love, that was the thing I think that, that made him appealing to me, is that he was just a kid, an imperfect, not Starfleet Yeah, that part's kid. interesting, the fact that he doesn't go for that at all. Like, yeah. Dad wants him to, because once Dad gets, like, that's, okay, so in the first episode, I think what's interesting is there's a whole religious aspect. Which well, that's not, that's not the first time. Well, that, that is somewhat. I wanna, it is somewhat. I, I'm taking this again from uh, just this one line from Wikipedia, but at the end it says, uh, Cisco's life is dra- dramatically changed when he is declared the emissary to the prophets by a Bajoran priest, and they don't tell him why. Um, well, so what's what's okay? What's what's interesting in the first episode? Like, so you think you've got okay? So I know I know. Th- well, let's talk what's about, going on. Let's I know talk about Bajoran spiritualism are. real quick because they don't talk about it on Next Gen very much. No, they don't. And you you learn though quickly though with this this it's a very spiritual society that is a very spiritual society. And they worship the prophets. And they, wor- they worship the prophets, and they have a, a spiritual leader that could help unite their people the and pick the Kai, and uh, and she, you know. What's cool is that I don't know if I know it's in the opening sequence, but I don't know if it's in the opening sequence of the very first episode. So when they you think, you know, the score, like what you're going to be watching and then they like immediately stumble upon. Well, the, yeah, the wormhole. Yeah. Which is which is that happens in the second episode. Uh, Emissary two is when they discover the wormhole and and again, it was a two-hour premiere, so it's not really two episodes. It's yeah, just it's one. Split. It's one big episode. So call, calling it one big episode, yes, they discover. So the prophets have communicated with Bajor with these icons called orbs, which are um, these essentially computer-generated hourglasses. That uh, fucking cool though. That that you open it up and suddenly you are in communion with these prophets and mm-hmm. you have what's called an orb experience, but it's very kind of esoteric and weird and you you're not. Re- you have to interpret it because it's not very you know and, specific. And you can't really talk to them; they can only talk to you. But Cisco finds himself inside the wormhole and he can talk to them and he's teaching them about, about linear, linear existence, existence using yeah. baseball, which is so brilliant. It's a, I wasn't a baseball fan before this episode. I was like, oh, wow, yes, that's why baseball is exciting because you don't know what's going to happen next. And every situation in baseball, the entire every pitch, the entire game can turn on. And mm-hmm. that's linear existence. And it wouldn't be worth watching if you knew yeah. what was going to happen. And I thought, like, that really got me. So he becomes the emissary to the prophets. Which well, and what's interesting too is in that whole sequence when he's, you know, like talking to the prophets, yeah. if you will, the the presentation of it. Like, because yeah. it's very sort of surreal. And dreamy. And dreamy and strange. And not Star Trek at all. It's very, like, it's very. I don't know if I agree. Like, I think it, because it makes you feel like you don't know what's really happening. Like you're, you're, you definitely feel like you're covering new ground. Like you don't well, I, really I, know what's going on. I guess what I would say is, together. It, it, with the exception of the episode of Next Gen where Picard, uh, where Picard is led back in time into his own past by Q, um, the uh, Tapestry is the name of the episode where he goes back and he gets to be. With the exception of that, you've never just been, and that horrible season ender of season two with Riker being sick, you've never been uh, in the head of the person. And this is very much 
what he's seeing and what's going on with him in his mind as he's being communicated. It's very spiritual. It's very dreamlike. It's not sort of the cut and dry Star Trek presentation. And I, I guess what I'm saying I say though that is, it's a good like, thing. I, I, I say that I is a good thing. What, what I'm saying though is that it's like what's cool about it and what I like about it is that they're all the way on the edge of the you know this galaxy and then they yeah. find this wormhole that's to like a place that they've you know really well, could yeah. not realistically go let's to let's say what the wormhole is the wormhole leads to so it, if you were to look at the ma- a map of the galaxy and you were to draw um the human point of view of this map of the galaxy um right down the center line would be earth which stands right between the alpha and the beta quadrants and the the alpha quadrant is uh is comprised of the klingon empire and the uh and earth and the federation and then the into the beta quadrant you have like romulus and stuff um but most of the power in near around where earth is is in the alpha quadrant and way out on the edge of federation space is this station where they find this wormhole that if you go through it you jump all the way down if we were just talking about the upper left and left and right of a four-part grid it puts you all the way on the other side of the grid Far mm-hmm. away from uh, to a place where nobody's ever heard of, ever been. Yeah, um, and it's the it's the gamma quadrant. I almost said delta quadrant, but that's Voyager. Um, <laughs> uh, and it puts you on the entire other side of the of the galaxy. And if you're there, then you have you know that nothing is there is familiar. Right, and that's what like what I like. That's what I like about that 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 experience is very Star Trek, and that it's like him meeting like. Yeah, new, a new civilization, yeah, sure, yeah. new people, no. and like communicating with them, but that it's so different. It's I so mean, not removed. very. I mean, not very Star Trek in its cinematic presentation. Sure, but it, but that's what I'm like. I like that it's so removed from how we're used to seeing yeah. beings. You know what I mean? Like it's all like it's almost always a humanoid. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's not always true. Like there have been other light beings and things like that, but, but it's, it's just not like, often. Not often. And, and this ca- in this way, they're presented just as other members of the cast. Who speak to him? Yes, like it's Major Kira and and, and Jake, Jake, but they are the prophets. They're, they're, yeah. they're yeah, and they're, the the way they like finish each other's sentences and stuff, so that it's like they're almost one entity. Well, is, and I is think interesting. I think that this turned people off. Um, oh, I thought it was cool. Uh, so did I, but I think that immediately people were like, "This is weird, and this is not what I'm expecting." And you know, if but I, I, that's the way it ought to be, though, because it's about exploration. That's sure, what I, that's what that's what I like. But in it. next gen, at the same time, I think it was the, I think it was like the Mark Twain episode, maybe. Um, it, yeah, it was, I think it was the Mark Twain. Like it was very much they were just traveling in time, and they were, you know, they were just being the next gen guys. All of a sudden, you have a whole bunch of new characters in a dark situation where nobody likes each other, and this guy spends a quarter of the episode essentially talking to gods. And it's just, it's very unlike. But what's great, no, he's not. He's talking to aliens. And like when he comes back, you know, the the Bajorans decide that he has spoken with the prophets and he's now their, their emissary and he was prophesized. And like, it's just, it's crazy. You know what I mean? Because it's this interesting scenario that they've never been in where it's like, they, this is just science. Like, I don't, I don't know how to deal with this because now these people think I'm some sort of conduit to their gods. You know, and it's it's nutty, um, and I think it adds an interesting aspect. Um, so that that's the opening season. So, uh, o- opening uh, episode. The opening episode ends uh, with Cisco um, uh, moving the station out of Bajor's orbit in front of the wormhole, 
knowing that that's going to be that's the place to be because people are going to be coming through the wormhole um and nope. he and he does it to defend the wormhole against cardassians who want to claim it for their own um and eventually uh eventually kira has to defend the station while he's bringing people through the wormhole and and when all is said and done you now have the cardassians have been placed in their put in their place somewhat um uh including uh I think Golmaset, who is the one who who is challenging uh, the wormhole, and then you've also heard a little bit about Gold Ducat, who is Love Ducat. who is the guy who used to run the station, and that's all sort of uh, set up. So we're gonna move on to what is considered episode three, really episode the second one to air because the first one right. aired in two parts, um, and uh, this uh, past prologue um, is uh, if I look at the uh, the plot and it's very very short so it's not a problem for me to read it um is says uh, a bajoran terrorist a bajoran terrorist with ties to kira arrives on deep space nine however he is pursued by the cardassians um this is worth noting because this introduces yet another character and makes you start realizing that as, as interesting as the main cast is on this show the supporting cast is even more interesting than your mm-hmm. cast of regulars and this is the first one that is introduced um, a man named Elam Garrick, um, who was going to appear only once, and instead, really, that I didn't know. Yep, and uh, yeah, that's um, this also uh, features Lursa and Betor, the two Klingon Dura sisters, right? Are are on there, and they um, it's not a super strong episode, but it does have uh, um, it does have uh a little bit about Bajoran terrorists and and the fact that they were terrorists and the fact that again something you know w- at the time we're recording this it's the day after Osama bin Laden was killed is when we're is when we're recording this episode so that if that dates it and it makes you think that you know you couldn't have this show right now because it really does point to terrorism as a as a legi- legitimate way to fight off a, an occupying force um and deals with the moral and and sort of sp- i don't want to say spiritual like like spiritual like god but like s- mm-hmm. like what it does to your soul to have to do that yep um and it's kind of uh it's kind of spectacular um that they do that and garrick is becomes one of my favorite characters he oh i love he, garrick he likes to spend a lot of time with uh dr bashir yep and their buddy and, buddy and just sort of taunt him um and uh, teach him, you know, like teach him what to what information to take away, what to process, what to, you know, to to listen, you know, to make judgment calls, to investigate mysteries. You know, like he just sort of teaches him a little bit, uh, I feel like, along the way, which is really cool. I like their relationship a lot. Um, again, you get into uh, y- you get into the next episode is A Man Alone. Uh, it's an Odo episode. Um, essentially where Odo is accused of murdering um, someone on the station. Uh, uh, the interesting thing about this is is you also have um, a lot more use of Keiko O'Brien, who is uh, Chief O'Brien's wife, who you knew from Next Gen. Yep. Um, and I feel like Keiko is probably the, the character on DS9 who never finds her place in seven seasons. They just kind of don't know what to do with her. And it is, it is honest to say that you she wouldn't know what to do yep in the situation but i also sort of feel like the writers were kind of like oh and kate goes on page or for 
a month or three. Right. Because we can't get Rosalind Chow to come back every episode. And, and Do you think that's what it was? Oh, that was part of it, yeah, because she was pursuing movies and stuff at the time. And also, um, just because Bashir wasn't as interesting when he was home with his wife. He was more interesting as part <laughs> of the crew. Uh, not Bashir, sorry, uh, O'Brien. Okay, sorry. Was, you know, O'Brien was more interesting when he was interacting with the regulars. Um, which is, again, the other interesting thing about DS9, and this is, it became two shows, really, and mostly just one. Um, on Star Trek The Next Generation, they all, you feel, get this is they all live together. Yeah. Like, they're all, they're all friends, they go to each other's quarters to talk. Yep, they you hang know, out. They hang out, like, you know, you'll see Riker will go talk to Picard while Picard's hanging in his quarters. Everybody sort of knows each other. Right? In this, it's very much, these guys know each other at work. Yeah. These guys aren't necessarily friends. They don't necessarily all hang out, you know, and when they do, it's much more social. Later on in the show. It changes, it, like, they definitely do. They do, but it's kind of like, people are coming over to my quarters today. And it's not a usual thing. And it's it's like someone coming over to your, your house, your apartment to hang out. And there's a specific time they arrive and they leave. And everybody kind of has their own thing going on when they're not at work. Um, I don't know if I entirely agree with that. I would say Bashir and O'Brien are an exception. And there are numerous times when Dax and Kira are going out. They're going out, but they're not going to each other's quarters. That's the thing is that is that the... the it's well, I think the difference is, is there's more... Like Quarks is more of a place to well, go. Well, there is this you know? gigantic like, set. First of all, you have this enormously wonderful set of the promenade, and and like, I guess if you had this large and varied of a place to go, as opposed yeah, to why just, would you go to her quarters? To why just, wouldn't you guys go get a, a you know a rock to Gino? Yeah, or where, you, where, <laughs> where where on the Enterprise you could either meet for gym class or the holodeck or the bar, mm-hmm. which I never understood why there was a bar on the Enterprise, but there's a bar. Um, or 10 forward and those are really your only options Mm -hmm. Um, uh, and so here there are defined meeting places and it feels very much like they're going to hang out in a courtyard but i think as a facet of that when o'brien goes home he goes home to his wife yeah and his relationship with bashir is outside of home and it's it leads to again what i think is more deep characters because that's how we are when when you and i are done recording this podcast you're going home and i'm not going to see you for a week (laughs) <laughs> and we're friends. We're really good friends. But we like we see each other here. Mm-hmm. And and they're, you know, most of my friends, I when I'm at home, my home life is my home. Yeah. And and you don't feel that on Next Gen. You do feel that very much on DS9. Um, you also see some also see uh, a lot of Rom and Nog in that episode. Uh, uh, and completely Nog, R- Rom especially is entirely different. And different for no reason. He's in this one. He's hey, scheming. Yes, wants money. And the way he talks is different. And by later, he's like, "Hello, brother." Hey. <laughs> oh, brother. You know. And I always feel like he was that way. Yeah. No, he wasn't. Like, I, like I guess the way that that occurs to me is like him trying to be a good Ferengi, but he's still not good at it. Yeah. Well, you no, know what I mean. Like, I would say it's he's more, not cut out for it. I, I'd actually say it's the, the actor had not found what he's gonna do with it, um, with the role. And and the the change is so it is stark. Like if you watch if you went back and watched this episode now, compared to the ROM that you know and love, you'd it would you'd go, Whoa, it's it's a little it's almost like Odo's makeup. It's a little like, ah, uh, it's not quite right. Um uh, <laughs> ROM on the I totally saw Odo's face, by the way. Where? But it was in New York, they have the the mask or whatever, yeah. the the prosthetic. Oh yeah? At uh what is it? What restaurant? Uh not is Planet it Planet Hollywood? Hollywood maybe? Okay. It was one of those two. Like there's yeah. 
Hard Rock Cafe or something. It would be Planet Hollywood. No, it was Planet Hollywood. Yeah. Was like, Otto's face. Oh my God! I was so jazzed. I took a picture. I have a picture. Uh, cool. I'd say put it up on the website. We, we have a photo gallery there, so I'll take your word for it. It's on my phone. Um, uh, uh, so, I can show you. Keep talking. So Rom, <laughs> Rom evolves in sort of a not natural way, but he finds his his way, and then he evolves. Nog, I like that Nog is how he starts off. And he evolves over the entire course of the show into something very different than what he starts off as. But that seems more like a natural progression. So that's A Man Alone. It's an Odo episode with some good Keiko stuff and how are they all going to function on board the station where people have different and varying beliefs and stuff. Um, And Gizmo's head, apparently. um, Gizmo. um, Gizmo. uh, Oh, I didn't. I didn't get a picture of it. Lame. Uh, Babel <laughs> is a standalone upset of myri- a mysterious virus plagues the station, causing speech distortions and eventually. Oh, that one uh, was weird. Death, and they can't talk to each other. That one was so weird. And what was cool about that one, like, okay, so from an actor standpoint, when I'm watching that one, it's like, so this is the one where it's all about subtext. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, from an acting standpoint, it's like, what is your subtext on this line? Because you're saying, like, green, five, ten. Like, but what you're, like, really trying to say is, please help me. So it's just, it's really funny for that, from that, from that standpoint. It's funny from that standpoint. I would say that it is ultimately not a satisfying episode. It tries to be a standalone next genish type episode. This thing happens and it ends and everything ends as it begins. Um, and there is no change over the course of the episode, which what makes DS9 great is that it eventually is a show about change. Sure, but that doesn't and bother me. It, bo- it does bother me. And I say, I guess it's one of those reasons I'm so, I love serialized television. And it's one of those reasons Buffy had an episode like that too called Hush, where nobody oh, could speak. That was a great episode. I love and, that And episode. although nobody could speak, um, things change over the course of that. Ep- they also had an episode where called Once More With Feeling where everybody could sing. I love only that sang. episode too. Um, from beginning to end of that episode, it's not just about the gimmick. Yeah, things, things happen. Things happen that affect. Sure, but this isn't like just about a gimmick. Like because it's it's something that's impacting them that as a team and as a group they have to deal with. But no, not everything is cataclysmically different after it's nothing. Happened. Nothing at all. You, you know, like that doesn't bother me because it occurs to me that like yeah. Well, here's the that thing, would happen. You know, here's the thing, where, and you're gonna hear me say this a lot in the series when I go to a le- less satisfying episode. You could skip that episode and would have met, would have missed nothing. You could go jump right to the next episode and you wouldn't be able to tell that you missed anything. And I what I like on the show is that the slow evolution. I like the standalone episodes, but I like that during those episodes there's an evolution and you if you miss one you'll go, Why is this a little different? And I just that's what brought me back to the show and made me addicted to it is watching mm. that. Next one's Captive Pursuit. Um is an interesting episode where they meet a guy named Tosk who is a hunter and he wants to be a hunter and he's being hunted. Oh, that and, shit was messed up. And at first you feel bad for him, like he's a victim and, and it's horrible that they're hunting him. And later on you realize that that's what he wants to be. Yep. And they try to sort of humanize. It's weird because they because it's such a, a different perspective. Now, here's an example. Here's another episode that you could just miss and never know that you had missed it. But it is such a well-made episode. Yeah. And it's an episode that And it really, makes you really think about shit. Because you, go, cause you start off going, oh, that's horrible that they're doing that. He's like a slave. They're using him. And it's the very first time where you go, our morals don't apply. Yep. And and, and that's okay. Like that should we need to consider that they may not apply. But it's but it's weird because it's something that is morally reprehensible. He is a slave. Yeah, it can't possibly be right, and yet 
And yet he is. And yet he is right with it. And it's, it's, it's an interesting, it's, it's. It really makes your, your, you know, your, your head go, huh? Yeah. (laughs) Then we get, our next episode is a, uh, is a giant misstep as far as I'm concerned. Although it's, it's someone we're always glad. I disagree. It's someone we're always glad to see. I love Q. I love Q. Which is why I started off by going, we're always glad to see, but he does not belong on the show. Why? It seems forced. Vosh comes back from from her adventures with Q after the Robin Hood episode of Mm -hmm. Next Gen. And she's there and phoning in a performance. And and Q is there and decides he's going to mess with the DS9 folks for a while. Because it was so fun to mess with, you know, yeah. Picard. I'm just saying, like, it doesn't make no sense. It doesn't make sense, but it's just he seems out of place. It doesn't. It seems forced. It seems like, hey, let's bring in Q. What I guess what there's something that I liked about that. Like, first of all, I love Q. But second of all, I think it gives you more insight to to the way that that you know cisco does shit well the only thing you know I, what i the mean only because he tries about, to bait him in the same ways he tries yeah, well to, that's you know. what I, the only thing about that episode that i liked and i and and yes q is always fun and i always like to see q but the only thing about that episode that i like there's a horrible scene where where they have an old style boxing match just because q has to change costumes and be silly um <laughs> which which i don't like so much and they they the really silly q episodes i don't like where he's so insanely silly um, I love that shit. Um, uh, I like him when he has an edge, a bit of an edge of darkness. I love it all. I eat it for breakfast. Um, uh, I don't give a fuck. But um, and he he's actually the first Star Trek cast member I ever met too. Back when I was like, oh, is he fun? I bet he's so fun. He gave a great Q and A. Um, and I got to shake his hand. And then I met him later at again. Of course, he didn't remember who I was. You know, well, I mean, just he, a guy. see how many yeah. trillions of people does he see? Um, but uh, but he he was a cool guy. He. he you can tell that he's that guy. He puts on airs a little bit, like oh, hello, yeah, it's good to see you. But yeah, that's that's that's. Of course, he's like that. The, that's the guy you would cast as Q. <laughs> I, I mean, that's that's uh, like you you would expect. That's part of his personality. Like when you when you meet him and he's a little dickish, you don't go oh, like we were talking about Edward Norton earlier tonight. Like Edward said, like but he's so fun in some roles. Like in Fight Club, he seems so fun and kind of frantic. And, and mm-hmm. or if you met Ben Stiller and Ben Stiller was a dick, you'd be like, oh come oh, on. But he seems like such a great but guy. But if you meet Q and Q, you kind of expect him to be a little bit of a prick. Yeah, you're just kind of like, and he's like, oh, but he's not. He's really nice, but he does have a little bit of a holier than thou thing going on. <laughs> not holy, almost like he feels like he's a little better than you. You're just you're part of the rabble a little bit, and and I was absolutely fine with it. I was, I, <laughs> I had no issue. Like, like, yep. like it didn't seem inappropriate. It seemed like he was he he just. You know, yes, in the way that Q feels superior, he feels superior, but in a nice way. But that, but not like that <laughs> in at all. In a playful way. I'm not I'm not representing him correctly because he was in no way unfriendly. He just sort of had that. He had airs. Airs is the best way I can say. He he just was kind of put on airs a little bit and was a little snooty, and that's fine. You would expect him to be that way because he's Q, um, and Q is that way. But I feel like in this episode, he just doesn't you were saying though like the that was the only oh, yeah, thing yeah. you liked the only thing i liked is this horrible scene but at the end of the scene uh cisco punches him and it's ridiculous the scene is shot horribly it's edited horribly it's acted horribly but he goes you punch me you hit me picard never hit me mm-hmm. and that's the one thing that said and he goes i'm not picard i love you know, that that's what i'm saying i, I love I that, that moment shit. i love that moment and the rest of um the rest of it i don't um 
So that's it. Uh, oh, this is really interesting. In Wikipedia, they actually have a little section that says arc significance. And the thing about this episode, which pertains to the arc, so I will say it. It says, while flirting with the Bajoran Warman, Bashir mentions for the first time that he missed being valedictorian in his class because he confused a pre-ganglionic fiber with a post-ganglionic <laughs> nerve. Um, and that actually comes back. It absolutely it. does. So when he's when later. The, the chick that actually did get valedictorian comes to the station and like doesn't even recognize him. And it's like a whole blow to his ego. <laughs> um so uh coming up next is um uh Dax. And the Dax is the eighth episode and it's all about Dax. And she is accused of a murder committed in the, in another lifetime. Oh that shit was fucked up. And she remembers that's the one where she remembers the the melody and you find out that she has a buried memories of a uh um of buried memories of of and it was like can yeah. they put her on trial though for something that another was done in another lifetime that she didn't do right because she while while Dax is inside her Jadzia didn't do dick you know what i mean she yeah. didn't kill anybody she didn't you know what i mean she had no no place in that but Unfortunately, Dax, the, you know, inside her, Dax did. And it's like, well. Oh, wait, no. The, and yeah, I, you're thinking of the wrong episode. Yeah, this is the one where Curzon Dax is. Yeah, is where he accused yeah. because he supposedly killed. Um, yeah, that uh, was treason, I think. Because yeah. he supposedly no, yeah, he killed someone. Yeah. Killed. Uh, but anyway, a friend yeah, or something the, like the, that. The, like gave the, away his the, position to but, the enemy. But the, the, the question ends up being, ultimately ends up being, do you. Are, do you. Can you punish her for it? Can you yeah. punish. Like, is it right? Is it okay to punish Dax? Yeah. And 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 Jadzi along with him, essentially. Yeah. And it's like, no, that shit ain't okay. And like, that's not fine. <laughs> um, moving on to the passenger. Um, uh, the plot is a sinister criminal is hiding in the mind of someone on Deep Space Nine. And that's the one you were mistaking um, it for. Or is that a different? One? No, I. Oh no, this is the one where it's Bashir. Spoiler alert. <laughs> it's um, with the bad guy, right? Va- Va- Vandicott or something. God, I'm saying that wrong. Vandicott? Kai Tai Kajada is the name of the is the name of the guy. Um uh, la, 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 Isn't the la, one where the guy dies, right? Yeah. And then and then he isn't really dead because he's like hiding in Bashir's mind. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um uh, in terms of arc, it um, that guy's name was that. That wasn't his name. I think so. Yeah, it's 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 Vajad Kajada. Um, or no, Vantinka. What? Vantinka. That's the name. It says Vantinka. Let me see it. Okay, here. Look. This is the greatest podcast ever. Hope you guys are enjoying this. Vantinka. See, you're saying it wrong. I know. Sorry, it. it's been a long Mother time since fucker. I've seen it. Um. <laughs> So, uh, like so again, it's a standalone, but I enjoy it. Now, here's, in my opinion, one of the worst episodes of DS9. Move along home. Oh, yeah. Um, that was a little goofy. But I did love how um, it really does give you insight and into, um, into Quark 
and into his he does have morality he's not being yeah he's not yeah that he's, he's not, not just a bad, a, guy. a bad guy he's a selfish guy but, but not he bad doesn't, but he and doesn't when he hurt realizes anyone. what you know what the stakes are he's like oh fuck oh shit like and he doesn't yeah. know what to do and you really feel and you're for like him. why is he saying fucking shit on this <laughs> tv show um uh, and he does the thing where he begs. I love the thing where the well, the, the way the Frankies beg. Yeah. yeah. Please. Please. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, I just need to tell you the name of this episode. The Nagus. Oh. The next episode. Hello, Clark. Hello, Clark. <laughs> Greatest uh, thing ever. I love Having Nagus. Wallace Shawn play um, the, uh, the Quar- Nagus. Quark, the Grand Nagus. Quark is named as the head of the Frankie Alliance by Grand Nagus Zach. This funny as um, shit. That's I love. I honestly, I have to say, some of my favorite episodes really are the Fringy episodes. This is a this is an interesting thing because it's when Grand Negus Zek, um, is his first appearance, and he goes, "I want to expand my business into the Gamma Quadrant." Yep, and it totally makes sense. Uh, and he goes, "Yeah, okay." And at the right now, that doesn't seem like a big deal. It ends up being a huge. Well, of deal. course, it's a huge deal. It does. It seems like a big deal at the time. Like it makes perfect sense. Like here you are. There's this entire unexplored area that know nothing about the Ferengi and the way they do business. Well, what's it like? It's what's interesting is that is that this is not the first time that the show pushing its plots into the Gamma Quadrant is done in a silly quirk episode where they Mm -hmm. where where there's a silly quirk episode where something just the something is dropped, sometimes just the name of an entire organization right it's just like the dominion yeah just (laughs) in the middle of a of of just a silly little throwaway dominion little throwaway quirk episode and it's 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 interesting how major plot like arc things are thrown in that way but um look the most important thing in this episode is the introduction of grand grand negus zek who is just Brilliant. It's the Sicilian from uh, from Princess Bride. He's just awesome, brilliant. full of awesome. Next episode, Vortex. Oh, this is huge. Um, a shape shifting stone might be a clue to or- to Odo's origin. A visitor from the Gamma Quadrant claims he has met a changeling before and has a little necklace that that makes it shifts. Yes. Yep. Um, oh, this is the guy where he's trying to go get his daughter, right? Um. Yep. That's what it is. The dude, the dude tells Odo a bunch of stuff, yeah, so that he can get out of jail. But the and most, the most important thing is, is, is it's the first clue you get that there, that there are, are others, changes. and that yes. ends up and being the, really and the important. necklace had no relation. As but I it recall. was, but it was a similar yeah. type of thing. Next episode, battle lines. Um, well, you know, going back to that episode though, like we, we shouldn't just blow by it because I think what's great about it is like Odo, something you know about Odo, kind of right away. Uh, is he his, longs for not just that but it's his his strong belief in justice yeah right like he he is a straight and narrow guy he's not gonna just cut a dude to break and this guy should be in jail has done you know what i mean has committed crimes and when and it, it really shows you sort of the human side of odo you know what i mean yeah. like he's pretty dispassionate i feel like prior to this but when this this man risks everything, lies to Odo to get him out there, and Odo kind of knows at the time, he's like, this feels like a wild goose chase, but I have to follow it anyway, because that's how much he longs to not be alone. Then he, you know, this guy him go. And that's a big, and that's a big deal. You know what I mean? It, it really says a lot about Odo's character. But not as big a deal as the next episode. Battle Lines. Where, where, uh, 
the spiritual leader of Bajor is stranded with a crew on a world where the dead are resuscitated. That's just... Okay, so... A great episode. On its own, just a great episode. Conceptually, yes, because it's so fucked up. Um, uh, The idea is these people are at war with each other and they continually kill each other and then they all come back to life. But they've, they've been punished. They were, they, were, they were taken there. They were put there because they couldn't stop fighting. Yeah. Like, so this was, it was supposed to get them to stop, I think. And instead, like, they I, just, and instead it's turned into this horrible. They kill each other and they, they don't care. They just keep killing each other and they just don't yeah. care anymore. And like almost at this point, all they want is to just fucking die. But there's a major thing that happens in this episode, and that is that Kaiopaka is can't is, leave because you can't, can't leave. leave. That's if the you thing. Leave, if you, you leave, it's, you actually die. It's over because the only thing keeping your shit going is, is, the, planet. is the planet. Which means and that she died on the planet, so she's still going. She's still living, you know, quote unquote. But she can't leave. Um, and which two, opens the way for needing a new Kai, which is huge. Yeah, two, politically. two things happen here. Well, and also because Kira begins to deal with the guilt from Wikipedia, she feels about her actions during the occupation. They talk about Kira's terrorism, but I love and I love Kaiopaka. Like she, she's like, not in the show very much. She she only like appears as she essentially appears as a prophet. Not that she's a prophet, but you know how. Yeah, but she's so great. Like I loved her, and it was so like it was yeah. it was interesting you ne- because you, you immediately see- like her, and it's such a blow when you lose her. You never that see the, you never see the character again. Um, so spoiler alert: in that you never see her again, except in prophet visions when he's seeing people. Right. Um. Uh. But, but I just I love her. She's got there's such a a piece about her like and it's like yeah. you you immediately get the loss. I think I think in our cut in our cut episode we joked about how anytime anybody comes up oh, to yeah, somebody your is strong. And, and grabs grabs their ear and goes your paw is strong. Yeah, it's always uh, about your paw is never your, weak yeah, or your lame paws, or, yeah, yeah, I was <laughs> yeah, it'd be funny they grab your ear and you go your paw is <gasps> oh. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. Your paws. Uh, it's uh, yeah. It's fine. It's fine. It's, you know. Yeah, you know. It's go. It's no. Good. It's, it's strong. It's strong. It's, it's, you know what? It's, it's fine. It's, it's strong. It's totally fine. It's strong. Your paw. It, <laughs> I, it, it, it's you know. In a fight between your paw and and that guy's paw, I think your paw would win. Yeah, your paw. It's, you know, it's, I think it's it's pretty good. Strong. It's it's, <laughs> it's 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 not really how strong it is. It's how you use it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> um. Which is a lie. It's a lie. Uh, the storyteller. Um, this one I was less a fan of. I enjoyed this one. This is an <laughs> this is an episode I enjoy um, watching, um, mostly because it is an O'Brien Bashir episode. I do like that. I like their the plot is a little silly. That's what I'm talking story, about. But, but like I like the interplay between him. Like this, like, this is, well, is what he is, says. Don't you don't like me very much, do you? This is the first time. Well, the, I mean, these guys are. It's it's my favorite relationship on the show. Yeah, is these guys' relationship because it's 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 just the way they interact. It is the chemistry between them is mm-hmm. so great. Um. And the plot's insignificant. They have to tell a story to stop basically the horrible demon from destroying the planet or something like that. Yeah. Um, but uh, but mostly what's neat about this is you get to see the what becomes almost a burgeoning friendship between these two and later on the almost yes. get taken away. Because it's great when, they, when, you know, Bashir is just, you don't like me, do you? <laughs> oh, now we have progress. Um, uh an episode of Deep Space Nine, the 15th episode of the first season, Kira deals with a stubborn farmer whose home is slated for destruction. 
and won't leave. And it's the first real like Bajor episode yep. where she goes down and he's like building this thing in the backyard. She and it's one of the first times when Kira really has to deal with her new position and kind of what it means. Yeah. And has to do the right thing by the government, which kind of goes anti to what she's used to in being yeah, a she's terrorist. Yeah, she's a grassroots person. Yeah. So like now she's part of that system and this guy tugs on that shit. Yeah. Like he points it out to her. And so she really has to fight with it. And it's great because you see so much growth in her because she realizes that, yeah, yeah, there may be times when when you need that, when you need terrorism, you need grassroots. But there's also a time when we need to support the government and do the right thing. And, yeah. th- and that's this time. You know, that's where we are now on Bajor. We're, we're rebuilding. And no, it's not perfect. And, and you know what I mean? Like, but it's what needs to happen. And it's not always easy. And it's just, it's great to see her struggle and to see her get there. The next episode is shitty. Lay it on me. Let me see if I agree. <laughs> if wishes were horses. A baseball player. Okay, okay, okay. Let me tell you why I like this episode, okay. though. And it's simply because Dax and Bashir finally get to get a little action. Um, I know it's not really Dax, but... Now... Again, Those the, are great. The, the, the scenes where the, she's just all over him and he's like a little bit uncomfortable yeah, okay, about so it. The, the, it's the, fun. The plot, I enjoy uh, that. The plot is the station is put in jeopardy when the crew's thoughts manifest themselves physically. So if you are thinking about Rumpelstiltskin who shows up, if Bashir is dreaming about Dax, it does give Terry Farrell a chance to perform and do a great job as Dax is... As as, 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 as hot and sexy as, wants a piece of Bashir But Dax. also dumb as rocks. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, she's not smart. Yeah, the, um, <laughs> She's not clever. Uh, but interestingly, in this episode, Cisco receives a baseball as a gift from the aliens. It would remain on his desk for the rest of the series. The baseball becomes a huge symbol of Cisco. Um, and this is the episode where he gets... I mean, I know the episode's a little wonky and a little weird, but... It's interesting because it's an explorative one, I yeah. think, you know, because you're, you know, you find that they're aliens and they're just trying to find out and this was their way of doing it. You know, and that's he- kind of cool. Here we go with our very first major character from ne- Next Gen to show up on DS9, Luaxana Troy. Oh, and how I love her. Um, And you know what? I love her more in this episode, I think, than I ever loved her. Oh, before. absolutely. Uh, she becomes. She is so fantastic. She becomes episode. infatuated with Odo in this, um, which is just great because he's so uncomfortable by it. Um, but then she's so caring, you know. Like he has to, yeah, you know, uh, lose his form and yeah. And, essentially, and okay. So the so the common spoiler for the episode, but the culmination of the episode is that he can only hold human form for a certain amount of time, and at the end of that time, he must revert back to his gelatinous. Basically, the way we have to fall asleep, he has to just let go. And be and be Jew and be be goo. Um, be Jew. So I can speak <laughs> because you know Jews just he doesn't he doesn't they just cow. pool on the floor. <laughs> hey, <laughs> not nice. I'm obviously joking because I misspoke. Um, <laughs> like I don't think anyone really believes that no, I think that. No, I think I just think that I just think that the Jewish people are tired of everybody saying that they're always just pooling on the just floor. Pooling on the floor, like it's so fucking cliche. Um, and I said it, and you know what? No, I'm sorry. I, I, I don't. I I, I don't appreciate appreciate you forwarding that stereotype i know you're right you know what that they they revert to a gelatinous state (laughs) 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 Uh, 
referred to a gelatinous state every third amount of time. Oh my goodness. I won't tell Daniel if you don't. I promise. Um uh, so um, at the end of at the end of the episode, they get stuck in a turbo lift, and eventually he can't hold his shape, and he has and, to like like. And and it's the first time you see him really weak. Yep. And he's and you realize first of all what a great because when you first meet him, he's just gruff and he's tough, and and all of a sudden you realize that he has such depth and such pitiable eyes and just, oh gosh yeah. you just when he's hurting you feel for him you and, absolutely do and it's you never imagined that odo would be the one you feel that way toward but he's the most emotional character on the show oh my god i adore him um i want him to get together with kira so bad that'll never happen but i want it so bad um like him being in love with kira is just rough on me i'm sorry <laughs> in the 18th episode of of deep space nine dramatis person dramatis personae um a mutiny is in the works with Kira leading the way. Um, uh, essentially, uh, they, the different characters in the show start taking sides and factions, like they're all going to turn on each other. Um, and they become obsessed with things, and Cisco is aloof and starts just like building a clock. Oh, and right. They, this one was weird. I remember it's because really it's like, paranoid. it takes you a while to realize, like, the, that, the that, fruition of what's that going it's on. wrong that something's wrong here um, well, like you almost immediately realize something's wrong like it doesn't take you long to realize that but you don't know why and you don't understand like it it, it 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 takes so long to sort of culminate into being about them being affected by something else you know what i mean that it takes a while like because you don't really understand why everybody's being so freaking weird and you're like this shit is just out of control <laughs> but it's like not them but it is them. Um, like they're like inhabited by some, like the yeah. essence of. It's a, it's a good episode. It's a paranoid episode. Um, it's nowhere near as good as the episode that follows it. The episode that follows it, it is constantly is well. I let me let me go a step further. Then is possibly one of the top five episodes of DS Nine. Interesting. Okay. Let's... Duet. Uh, essentially, a Cardassian comes on the station. Um, and has been accused of being a mass murderer um, of Bajorans is put into a holding cell, and oh it's going my to be God. Yeah, um, it is. A, I mean, I almost do want to tell you what happens in this episode if you haven't seen it. So yeah, it's listen, so listen, amazing. skip past this because because I don't want you to be spoiled. Just skip one minute ahead. Um, we're almost done anyway. Uh, skip one minute ahead. Um, this episode is devastating oh my gosh um, yeah essentially a man comes on and he is he's arrested because he's a horrible war criminal he's a horrible war criminal and then it seems like he denies it denies it denies it denies it and denies it and, and it turns out he actually isn't it turns out at the end that he was a clerk that listened and was complicit yep. in the fact that he he uh, felt he should be punished he felt he allowed and, what happened and to the helped. Jordans to happen? Um, as people basically got killed, in the, he's like a clerk at a concentration camp. Yep. He didn't stop it. He didn't. You know, he didn't tell anybody. He just anybody. did he his didn't job. He just he just sat there and did his paperwork, and now yep. he's claiming to be this horrible person, so he can be put to death. So he can be punished as he believes he be, should be. Um, the episode is just it. It makes you rethink how you feel about the Nazis. It makes you like like it just. It, it's insane. It takes yeah. your your. 
I mean, really just stabs you in the heart. And it is, oh, uh, yeah. um, there are very few episodes on DS9 as good as this. Um, it's just, there's so much that they deal with. And like, you know, the interplay between Kira and this guy is throughout, you know, when there's she's a line like, here, it listen, isn't your listen fault. This, like, it's just amazing. Um, I am alive. I will always be alive. It's Maritza who's dead. Maritza who's good for nothing but cowering under his book and bunk and weeping like a woman who every night covered his ears because he couldn't bear to hear the screaming for mercy of Bajorans. Oh my gosh, I know. And the actor who play, does such a phenomenal job. Oh my job. gosh. Um, he really sells and, the shit out of it and you're just like, oh my God, it's terrible. And then, and then spoiler alert, at the end of the episode, he deals with his shit. Yep. and and he finally goes and with Kira like Kira's Kira, you know, there Kira, for him you and know they, and, and it's th- great because you see this moment of a Bajoran yeah who is angry and hating of Cardassians in general I mean we're talking about Major Kira you know comforting and feeling for a Cardassian and and, and it really gives you like by the end kind of hope and he wants you know? to kill himself and 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 Kira says don't because it's just another murder and yep. don't do it and and as he has found his peace and they are walking out another angry bajoran comes, comes up and kills him and kills oh. him in front of her and when asked why he says he says he's cardassian isn't, isn't that enough? enough and she goes no no it's, it's not, not. yeah and it just is oh. this is not a ne- an episode that you'd ever see on star trek the next generation and this is when you finally see that this show is dark and complicated and you just wouldn't have the time it might it might happen in a wharf episode but no one not a single character in next gen outside of maybe picard is nearly as nuanced and layered and and deep as kira no one is data no is is riker no they are just sort of who they are but she already in one season she's so conflicted she's got so much going on so does everybody she's just layered and layered and layered and layered and there's so much and it's 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 a, this couldn't happen on Next Gen because you ha- you have to have the first season of DS9 to understand the nuances that lead up to this. Yeah, you have and, to understand Kira and, the and everything that's and the Majorans and, and the Cardassians and the and, history and that's before why, you can really get the gravity of, of and, that. And whole watching thing. this episode, look, you put up with some shit in this season. But you get to this episode. And I really don't think you put up with a lot of shit. Yeah, there's there's you, what there's three some. questionable epi- questionable episodes at this point. Um, but you get stuff like this, and you just go, "This is, this is better. This is amazing." Yeah, I w- I would call this one of the top ten best episodes of Star Trek to have ever been made. Um, uh, and here we go in the final, uh, in the last episode of the first season is in the hands of the prophets. Um, friction escalates when Vedic win arrives on DS9 and discovers Keiko O'Brien is teaching that the Bajoran prophets are aliens. Um, huge. Okay, so the entry of Vedic Wynn um, is amazing because this woman... Louise Fletcher, Nurse Ratchet, Nurse Academy Ratchet. Award. Uh, because she fucking rules. Winner or nominee, um, I forget, but she's... she. I bet she won. Um, as like, she... One of the most iconic bad guys in the well, history she, of... So she has a way. And and she does this she's as Vedic way that where she's so friendly, but it's so evil, you know, like and it doesn't like ambitious and ah and, uh, and just wants power and like 
all of that shit reads. She like, dis- she, she disapproves. Phenomenal. She disapproves of you. No matter what she's saying, no matter, no matter how, how nice, com- she, yeah, you know how much how complimentary what's coming out of her are, mouth is. You, you are, are nothing scum. to her, um, and you are a heathen. You know, like just it's and and it and it introduces that not all the Bajorans are accepting of this human emissary to yep. the prophets, and that there is there is um, trouble brewing on Bajor, and that's where it ends. And spoiler alert for season two when we finally hit it, it doesn't end. Like you expect, and now the conclusion. Yeah, and, you kind of you kind of think it, that like one it, episode you see Vedic win come, and you sort of think and this is it, a this is just a you know inflammatory a, episode because it kind of is a semi cliffhanger sort of for the end, but it's not really a huge cliffhanger like like the end of Best of Both Worlds. We're like, no. what's going to happen? But then in the next episode, you don't hear like, and now the conclusion. They say, and now the continuation, mm-hmm. which you've never heard, yeah. and all of a sudden by the I mean. Minor spoiler alert: By the end of DS Nine, they stop even ever saying that. At yeah, the end, they just it gets to the point where that you don't even say it now. The continuation, like I was like, noticing, like they they do things now. There are certain episodes that are like continuation, you know, edition, whatever. Where like they'll give you last time on Deep Space Nine, and like there's part of me that's like, at what point are you guys going to stop? Because it's gotten ridiculous at this point. You yeah. know what I mean? Like if you don't fucking know. Then yeah. maybe you shouldn't be watching. Yeah, <laughs> you just you just deserve to be lost. <laughs> um, uh, but this is this is where it ends, and they have crafted a world that is so much realer than the Enterprise. The Enterprise seems like a ship. This seems like a a universe. This seems like it's yeah. I think you know in the Enterprise they just there's there's not it's as insular. much it's insular. Yeah, there's not as much continuous like politics. Yeah, and this they have to deal with that and. And I think that gives you such a different perspective. But they also have, they, you know what they have the time for on this show? And the reason I think that people tuned out is the Enterprise right away from the first episode of Next Gen is every episode is its own thing and it's done and it's, and, mm-hmm. and, and it's satisfying. And not every episode here is satisfying and not every even satisfying episodes have parts about it that aren't satisfying because they choose not to satisfy you. At the end of the, of the, uh, Bashir, uh, O'Brien episode, they don't satisfy you there. They're not friends. Yep. They're they're they can they go, you know what? In this, we're gonna do a slow burn. Yep. We're gonna we we are going to deliberately say we're going to slowly watch these people change and grow and become and different become, people. Yeah. Um and as people friends. do over the course of seven of seven years. Yeah. People grow and change and maybe not as much as this. It's become sort of sort of hyper realized on this show, sure. but 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 just have crafted something that i think that is awesome so hey that's it i think that's um you know look i want to give props where they're due thanks to the old make it so podcast that gave me the idea for doing these uh the season retrospectives um and i hope you enjoyed it i enjoyed it um um, I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you have any uh, suggestions, any comments, any questions, please email uh, Justin at trekoffpodcast.com. Um, uh, and if you want to send an email to me, you can't. Um, <laughs> we'll work on getting that worked out. Look, at least we got the one worked out. I'm just um, kidding. I'm joking. Listen, I got jokes. Listen to the other podcast, the Enlight Podcast Network, uh, Pop Off and uh, our pop culture pop, uh, podcast. And... Uh, 
the hot mess uh, with Phil Stamper um, and the suck cast and ninjas versus you. And please purchase uh, ninjas versus vampires at ninjas versus vampires.com. Um, and thanks for listening. This is Trek off. My name is Justin. My name is Alex. Trek off. Ninjas versus Vampires, bitches. That's on DVD. Reviewers have called it one of the 10 best indie horror films of 2010. 10 awesomes, Jason Mewes. Basically, what would happen if Brody, uh, Randall, and Jay from our movies became ninjas and had to fight vampires? Come on. This is available in most DVD stores, Amazon, Walmart, online, etc., but if you order from ninjasversusvampires.com, that's ninjas, N-I-N-J-A-S, and then versus V-S, and then vampires, V-A-M-P-I-R-E-S.com, take you a little extra effort to go to their site, but do it. Buy directly from them, man, because then they keep, get to keep more of it. Uh, while you're there, check out the End, End Light Podcast Network, endlightpodcast.com with not safe for work uh, content uh, podcasts. About movies and Star Trek. Yeah. Support Kev fans who make movies that Kev would like. Or now we call them Little Musters. Yeah, Little Musters. Let's direct your whole Little Musters army, which is all uh, up to about 12 people. Over to ninjasversusvampires.com. Yep.